Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How is it that I have become the hunter and the hunted, and thought has become my enemy? Yes, indeed. Welcome to episode 136 of Agitators Anonymous. I am Alan Averill, your hostess with the leastest, some would say. And starting us off there, two lines from Destroyer 666, Lone Wolf Winter. And God damn it, if the new Destroyer 666 album, Never Surrender, isn't my earworm of the week. I'm on my half a dozen, half a dozen, listen, already. And yeah, great stuff. Often magazines, if you write for them and where you contribute to them, they ask if you're top 20 of the year, sometimes in October. I've often, I've actually been asked at the end of September, sometimes my top 20, and albums that come out at the end of the year often miss out on these, um, you know, the the uh, writer's accolades or whatever you want to say. Um, and thus it would be so. I think last year or the year before, if I'm not incorrect, Funeral Mist just dropped an album two days before the new year and it missed everybody's top 20. Um, however, I did not contribute my top 20 to the magazines I contribute to this year. Um, and therefore, Destroyer 666 was neither here nor there. But this week it's been very much here. So there you go. Anyway, today's episode will going to be a bit of a spicy meatball. I'm going to talk about Ancient Apocalypse, um, Graham, ha- Graham Hancock's Netflix series, which is, um, you know, super popular at the moment. Everyone is talking about it. Everybody's arguing about it. Everybody's discussing it, at least in my circles. And I would imagine your social circles as well. What I'm going to do is take a kind of sideways look at that. Um, some of the articles that have been written about it, some of the rhetoric about it. And then also I've consulted uh, an archaeologist friend of mine and asked him to point out a few things that he would disagree with um, within the Hancock series. And I'm going to try and make my own ham-fisted comments and remarks in relation to it. It's fascinating stuff. Um, and very easy to get drawn into the romantic narrative. Um, So I'm going to examine that. But, you know, 
You can follow the show um, or, well, support the show over at www.patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Alan Averill, A-V-E-R-I-L-L. There's various other demos, podcasts, discussions, all sorts of stuff going on over there. You can follow me on Nemthianga underscore primordial. There is no Agitators Anonymous um, Instagram page. I just couldn't bring myself to um, start another Instagram page to be... um, poorly in control of it's hard enough as it is to use my opposable thumbs and failing eyesight as a to try and master all of these platforms along with the multitude of others you're supposed to be able to um, work there is a facebook page where i upload um every week the uh, links to the episodes i don't really push it that hard but you know you can follow it and then therefore you will get every week um, the two episodes go up there. Also, if you are following and listening on YouTube, um, it would be probably a good idea to go over to whatever your platform, uh, your podcast platform provider is. Maybe it's Acast, maybe it's Spotify, and follow the show because very often, unless I'm I'm st- sitting in an airport somewhere battling jet lag or uh, you know a crushing hangover, there is Tuesday's Metal Miscellany where I just discuss rock and metal in the music industry for a slightly shorter and less serious podcast. Um, and that, if you're just following me on YouTube and listening there, you're missing those. So go over and follow me on um, you know the other podcast platforms, give me a rating, share the podcast to somebody you love or somebody you dislike and hope that I annoy them and do the job for you. Either or will do. So before I get into the ancient apocalypse, um, have you noticed that uh, in San Francisco they have approved the use of deadly killer dog drones? And I put those um, killer in, you know, whatever, call it the parenthesis. Um, I mean, many, many people have been discussing this as well. Have you guys seen Robocop? You surely have. Uh, Plenty of movies out there that predict our future rather perfectly. Um, have been, you know, coming out for 20, 30, 40 years. But this really seemed to hit the nail on the head. And it might prove to be really on the money. It was probably an inevitability, right? But if you want to, you know, defund the police or disband them, I suppose this might be what you get instead in the long run. Of course, we've all heard the stories. They've been emerging uh, that confidence within the police force is at an all-time low. Hardly surprising, really. Trust in the police at an all-time low. No one joining. Members leaving to find other work, um, I suppose, with private uh, security firms, contract work. Um, and, of course, the, you know, a certain section of the media is pushing that as well. But still, so this is maybe what you get. Um, now, grant, granted, those killer drone dogs... Um, you know, if, the, if you were to grant them some form of artificial intelligence, imagine reasoning uh, with a machine. Nope. Now, you may remember way back in episode one, I discussed biometric digital ID passports, which I thought were a foregone conclusion, and that the pandemic and lockdown was expediting their use, which already exists in China, um, which would contain all your information. Now, being asked, imagine being asked to scan that by a robotic drone cop. Not so far away, right? Um, This is the dream of the surveillance state. And watching the protests in China right now against their, quite frankly, tyrannical 0% COVID strategy, imagine if they had an army of robotic drones to disperse crowds. Do you think for a moment that they would not use them? Um, well, Well, maybe let's save that thought for the next pandemic and the next lockdown. 
You will own nothing and you will be happy. You will have no privacy. Um, dark, dark food for thought. And we kind of know how this movie plays out. You've all seen. <laughs> you've all seen Robocop, right? The podcast, my friends, is called Agitators Anonymous. I say it often enough. The clue is in the name. And did you expect me to say, ah, sure, it'll be grand. Surely they won't use them for anything incorrect or or nefarious or evil. Surely. Don't call me Shirley. I just thought I couldn't let the podcast go on without mentioning that. Um, just before I started recording this, um, you know, I've fixed myself a little caffeine uh, to put a little pep in my step. And a friend of mine has just been hitting me up with lots and lots of videos about yay, can yay, I'm wearing what appears to be like some sort of Mugwa-style ski mask on the Alex Jones show, going um, full, full throttle over the edge. Wow, this is a really crazy and scary sideshow. <laughs> um, farcical, and yet, when you understand the reach, you know, the uh, social media online reach of somebody like him, wow, crazy stuff. Um, anyway, I digress. There's a whole podcast within that as well. Maybe I'll get to it at some stage. But what I want to talk about is ancient apocalypse. Um, what I want to do is kind of take a look at it, a sideways look at it. And because everybody's talking about it. Uh, I think in the last few weeks, I've had at least half a dozen discussions with people, whether it's on a plane, in the pub, in the backstage, whatever. And why is it so captivating? Um, and what's being said What's being said about it among the usually, let's call them the usually suspected mainstream media. And then I want to discuss that and then end the podcast, as I said, with a few comments from an archaeologist friend, friend of mine, some of his takes, and some of which I had thought about and some of which I had not thought about. But let's get to The Guardian newspaper, who have written what we could call uh, a hatchet job uh, on the series. Um, you know, I was listening to a journalist talk on a podcast only last week saying, in reality, the only two things that get any clicks are puff pieces, um, which are sort of like celebratory, um, you know, praisings of whoever the piece may be about, or hatchet jobs filled with phobias and isms and all the other usual things that gain clicks. But they wrote a kind of a hatchet piece, the Guardian newspaper, about the series. So I'm going to tackle that first. Um I mean, I used to read The Guardian um, as a kid, as a teenager, and it was the go-to paper in the pile that my dad would bring home from the newsagent every Sunday. Um, but, you know, increasingly during the last decade of social media derangement, it's come to be, I'm not going to say the mouthpiece, I'm not going to say typical sort of centrist, mid-alt-right talking points about The Guardian, but certainly um, it has at least allowed an element of this sort of new young, woke, remote, living, kind of new leftist um, progressivism, stay-at-home tech class to voice their opinion through its pages. It certainly does editorialize more than it used to, and it certainly does seem to push an agenda. Of course, it's common to use, as I says, The Guardian as a punching bag by people on the conservative right who maybe don't read it and pick and choose to suit their arguments, but it has to be said... The Guardian creates a rod sometimes for its own back with some of its articles. And in this case, I think in relation to um, Ancient Apocalypse, it certainly has. 
So if you don't know quite what I'm talking about, I would advise going and taking a look at the series. Um, you know, the basic principle is that there was a lost global civilization, 12,000 years or more, um, that was wiped out in a cataclysm, um, and that we have a sort of biblical memory, um, a sort of social, um, cultural, historical amnesia of this civilization, and that common um, perception of um, our ancient history goes back about 4,000 years, etc., etc. I'm going to get into that, but first... Let's just kind of take a look at what The Guardian says about Ancient Apocalypse. And I'm not going to mention the name of the writer, but, um, you know, The Guardian calls Ancient Apocalypse is the most dangerous show on Netflix. There's that word again, danger. Um, a show with a preposterous theory is one of the streaming giant's biggest hits. And it seems to exist solely for conspiracy theorists. Why has this been allowed? Why has this been allowed? Let that sink in. Who disallows it? What is the danger? Neither of those two things are explained, although it's assumed that you should know who will disallow it. Um, uh, you know, it, the Guardian goes on to finish with. Um, and I think this sort of says it all. That's the danger of a show like this. It whispers to the conspiracy theorist in us all. Um, all of us. And Hancock is bound to create a few more in his wake. Believing that ultra-intelligent creatures help to build the pyramids is one thing, but where does it end? Does it end with believing that election fraud is real, that 9-11 is an inside job, or worse? You believe Netflix has gone out of its way to court the conspiracy theorists. And that sort of sums up the argument in a nutshell. So the graph here from The Guardian is kind of simple and easy to plot, really. Um, let's, you know, the, let's create the Venn diagram. Hancock is friends with Joe Rogan, two middle-aged white males. So obviously the enemy of our esteemed writer before we even get to the content of the documentary. If Hancock was Oprah, I don't think this article would have been written. But the graph makes no bones about it. Hancock's take on what happened 12 to 20,000 years ago is dangerous, as it deviates from the mainstream idea of our history. It deviates from the mainstream narrative. Um, so therefore, it is a conspiracy theory. And who believes in conspiracy theories? Well, that's you. Or that's the working class deplorables, right? It's insinuated um, there with the election fraud sentence. So obviously, it's an alt-right rabbit hole. It's, um, you know, it's one of those, it's a rabbit hole that ends with Trump. Yes, the T word. And the article is little short of calling anyone who watches it racist. Um, predictable, of course. In fact, I didn't even have to really read the article to know exactly where it was going. Of course, the headline is clickbait. We all know how that goes. But there was, of course, no attempt to tackle Hancock's interpretation uh, factually, which I guess would have been too hard and taken out too much time to talk to an archaeologist about what doesn't make sense. I mean, I have done, and actually I'll get to that later, but our dear beloved writer of this article, article simply seems annoyed that a dissenting voice has broken into the mainstream. So what? What would they categorize this as? Disinformation? Misinformation? So, 
in reality, what they're saying is that this, uh, this, your viewing of ancient apocalypse is um, dangerous. And, and you might start to question other things. Um, this is, of course, this is, of course, a, a constant argument that you'll hear put by elements of the, of the mainstream media or people on this side of the fence. So everyone should have to put every theory about how the pyramids were built before the gatekeepers and seek their approval before they, you know, concoct a theory. This is, of course, authoritarian and authoritarianism um, in action. This is Orwellian. This has the whiff of Stalinism, whisper it, fascism, controlling the language and controlling the narrative. But it's also one of the most important things to realize about an article like this is that it's riven through with the usual conceited bigotry of low expectations um, that this Guardian writer has, which kind of goes like this. Well, the working class were stupid enough to vote for Brexit. So obviously they aren't educated well enough to think critically about Hancock. You aren't and what he presents. So it wouldn't be better if somehow he was silenced, that this, this documentary would never have been made. Who knows, maybe even ban him, but shame him at the very least and shame Netflix for allowing his voice to be heard the auspices are so dark, it's kind of depressing. Freedom of speech, remember? These are Hancock's theories, his opinions about a world that existed over 10,000 years ago. And what this article is suggesting is that they are dangerous and should not be allowed, but also that you are kind of too stupid to maybe realize and go through the evidence presented to you by Hancock yourself and come to any conclusion. Um, it's the same mind that is behind cancel culture, for example, that decides in its paternalistic, colonialist um, way that you are of unsound mind and that you are not able to make these decisions for yourself. So we'll just remove the decision-making process. And the auspices are so stark, it's kind of depressing, but it's a standard Guardian article. Freedom of speech, as I said. These are Hancock's theories, his opinions about a world that existed over 10,000 years ago. And then you take Gobekli Tepe, uh, which is now in modern-day Turkey, which is, um, you know, has been dated to over 10,000 years ago and has changed some of our understanding, even by the people who would line them up in opposition to Hancock's theories. It represents something of a historical kind of anomaly. It's a bridge to many of Hancock's theories from which he kind of jumps off into the into the netherworld. But it would seem it's well over 10,000 years old. This kind of changes the narrative we understood about our history. It's the God of the gaps idea, which basically means that we fill in the spaces we do not know in our history um, with theory. Um, and that theory usually is, well, God created it. And so our dear Guardian writer is saying that this is negative because, well, obviously, if you watch Hancock, then you'll, before you know it, you'll be voting for yay next time around. Um, and all accompanied by the usual hysterical stamping of feet and gnashing of teeth with anyone who fails to see the connection and won't, who won't agree and concede and disappear off into the shadows with such ideas. Um, and, and also reveals something which I often read into um, arguments like these or else I see through to what I consider to be the dark heart at the center of this. As I said, it's a form of intellectual colonialism. Let's call it a crypto-authoritarian conceit, an intellectual conceit. The assumption that you 
um, my dear friends, that we are not clever enough to take in all this info. And the likes of this Guardian writer should be allowed to gatekeep such ideas from you because they are dangerous. Um, you must be kept safe from such ideas and you're not in your right mind to make a decision which I see playing out again and again in the public sphere from members of what's called them the new left. If you portray the opposition as evil and the choice is binary in nature, then you don't need to debate them. Need I say once again throughout the podcast that I have, old left concerns, rent, healthcare, housing, education, I'm in. But modern um, concerns, that's why I hate to use the sort of the terms left and right now, because they kind of seem to be stood on their head. They don't seem to have the same meaning. They seem to just be one thing one week and another thing completely contrary the next. So I'm kind of, um, you know, loath to kind of call them the new left. But I think you get what I'm um, aiming at, which is, I suppose, the usual sort of um, woke sentiments of an article like this. If that's, again, the right word, maybe that word's out of phrase. But instead of taking Hancock, as I said, to task about these things um, and the things you think he got wrong, and there are many, which I will get to, um, you decry him as a gateway drug to fascism or to racism or to whatever else. Um, it's much easier than talking to the people you disagree with if you set out your argument like that, because then you don't have to debate anybody. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, I would point people to a documentary about Hancock the BBC made in the 90s, the late 90s, I think, where they took him to task about his theories and more or less dismantled them. People have said who are supporters of Hancock that it's a hatchet job, which may be so. 
Um, but it is worth watching maybe after you've watched Ancient Apocalypse as a kind of some form of rebuttal from the people who would consider themselves, I suppose, opponents to his view. Now, I'm not an archaeologist. As I said, I had to speak to one um, to get their opinion on his work while we watched um, two uh, football matches at the same time and two huge big screens. Um, and, you know, I had to try and take some notes and that kind of thing. But I will get to those quotes in a while. But maybe taking a look at the documentary and seeing the opposite opinion laid out would be the best rebuttal rather than resorting to calling us all idiots and conspiracy theories, theories for watching Hancock. Or finance finance a documentary stating the counterclaims and get that made and next year have that as the most watched show on netflix but of course that wouldn't appeal to the deplorables the conspiracy theorists in us um, and probably wouldn't be as popular well that tells you an awful lot about what people are fascinated and interested in right um but isn't that kind of what people like this writer have said make your own platforms if you don't like how twitter is Ah, as an aside, I do love people whinging about Elon Musk buying Twitter um, with all the flaws and craziness that seems to come with that, but who didn't really seem to care that the previous owners included munitions companies, the kinds of whom who are now using the Ukraine as, um, you know, a kind of honeypot, a dumping ground for um, huge arms deals, bipartisan arms deals. Um, which were passed by both Republicans and Democrats, it must be said. Anyway, another aside. Did you know Kings of Metal is a drum machine? Yeah, sounds like it, doesn't it? Same with Fighting the World, actually. And after discussing the drum machine of Fighting the World, we went back onto the subject of um, Ancient Apocalypse. And someone told me that Hancock's son is the head of documentary programming at Netflix. I'm not sure how sure or how true that is, but it certainly might explain something. I don't know. But maybe this person who wrote this Guardian article is kind of simply irritated that dear white people or whatever isn't pulling in the same viewership. But the question is, does Hancock have the right to make the documentary? Of course. These are his theories. Anybody who grew up um, watching um, Arthur C. Clarke's World or... Um, I'm sure there were religious people on the religious right who, you know, opposed Carl Sagan's documentary series. There's always somebody opposing something. But um, these are his theories. Um, and anyone else is entitled to make a documentary speculating that aliens built the pyramids if they want to, right? Um, is the ownership of the narrative of our, of our history a claim? Uh, you know, it's a claim that goes back 10 or 20,000 years. It's patently um, insane that someone would own that narrative, um, as Hancock states, we simply don't know, and that's the truth. Even the people who are on the other side of the fence, whose documentaries I've also watched, don't know at all either. And that's um, that's the kind of romantic beauty of Hancock's message. And now, what I did actually, what did I actually think of the series itself? Well, for my side, I'm not a Hancock fan. I read some books when I was about 19 or 20 and found them interesting. But I found his appearances on Rogan often irritating, lacking in hubris. The one with Michael Shermer from uh, the Skeptic Society, whatever he is, it sort of descends into a shouting match, you know, between like two teenagers. And there's a, there's a kind of undignified amount of gloating in the documentary series, a kind of, haha, I got to make this and put my opinion out there. Um, kind of taking digs at those who oppose his views, Father Ted style. And this one is a list of people who fecked me over in the past. 
um, there's a you know, but never quite airing the any of the opposing views and debunking them. At least not technically, but I'll get to that. The series um, started off first few episodes. Hancock, he knocks it out of the park. Um, the one you know, Gobekli Tepe, the one set in Malta, is fascinating. And um, yeah, as I said, Gobekli Tepe is the bridge out to the island of his theories. Um, and I mean, why wouldn't Rogan have him on? He's interested in this stuff, and it is fascinating. It's captivating and fascinating. Um, and will Rogan have someone on to attempt to debunk it all? I think he would. Of course he would. And watch that space. It might very well happen. Um, who that person would be, I do not know. I guess they aren't as masterful in the art of, um, you know, hustling um, up appearances and raconteuring for their point of view as Hancock has been. Um, I personally find the leaning into the sort of neo-spiritual realm sort of unconvincing, really, that there's some sort of inherited biblical myth, um, you know, the cataclysmic myth. Um, I find it a bit unconvincing, distilled through biblical and, as I said, pre-Christian myth. It's a kind of a stretch at best for me. Um, but Hancock is clearly a romantic. He has faith. He's a believer and wishes, he wishes, witches <laughs> and wishes the, to stretch his views to that place. And he kind of makes no bones about that. He makes no secret of that. Um, and I think it's in a way very human, which sort of separates him from much of the kind of many of the stuffy academics who would uh, preach the opposite. And that's why he's fascinating. That's why the series is captivating. But to the idea that your average viewer isn't capable of skeptical or rational thought and to think, hmm, I wonder what kind of tools they used or um, so what you're saying is an ancient civilization, some of whom survived a great cataclysmic flood, then traveled around the world from some undetermined point to teach um, these, you know, farming methods and other such things to races, um, disparate races of, of people all around the world in this post-flood society. You know, your brain begins to spiral with questions. Um, you know, some of the things that he describes as being cut into stone seem to look like um, natural uh, formations, rock formations. And then many of the things are just genuinely perplexing and deeply fascinating. Um, and for what and for that, I can't really criticize him as the God of the gaps theory is often what's happening here. We answer um, the gaps between our theories with the godlike. He's attempting to color in the space and he's using the brightest shades he can find. But I have to admit, halfway through, the episodes began to lose me. The stretches in the theory kind of become more obvious to me. Um, the episode with the offshore formation, um, I think that was off Cuba or something. Um, you know, I probably should have looked that up before saying that. Misinformation. It left me unconvinced and a bit puzzled. And um, the analyzation of the maps totally missed the mark for me and didn't convince me that ancient cartographers knew Antarctica existed. I think it seemed more clear it was the continuation of the South American coastline and they just maybe ran out of paper. Um, but hey, you know, I watched the whole series, which seems more than our esteemed Guardian writer did. And I imagine that, and imagine that, I came to my own sceptical conclusion. I took it all as great entertainment and I'll watch it again. And it is fascinating. And I might change some of my opinions, but I formed my own opinion. It made me question and think some things. And then it made me think other things. Um, you know, with my genuinely deplorable brain. And I decided that some of it didn't make sense to me. Imagine that. 
Um, there was an ancient, technologically developed race we have lost in the mists of time after a huge cataclysmic flood. They travel the world, as I said, in what we don't know, to impart to the survivors the methods of farming and building vast monuments, amongst other things, in what language we don't know. I'm badly paraphrasing, but that's the sort of gist of it. Who they were and what they were doing, we do not know. Should have done that a bit better, shouldn't I? Who they were and what they were doing, we do not know. A Spinal Tap reference for all you crazy kids. Um, there aren't any signs of the tools used to build these monuments, um, but all traces except the ones we're discovering now have disappeared. Atlantis is, Atlantis is discussed. Um, okay, maybe so. Interesting, interesting. Everyone was speaking different languages. Right, I find that confusing. The theory is bound together by images of the world serpent and comets and pyramids across the world. It's fanciful and imaginative, but it's compelling. And it does make huge leaps and jumps. Um, but like I said, the Guardian doesn't want you to make these leaps and jumps. And obviously the next leap and jump um, will make you read the Protocols of the Elders of Zion or maybe buying a Yay album or whatever else. Um, like I said, I know a few archaeologists. I bugged my friend to come on the podcast. He's a shy young man. But what he did is outline the parts of um, ancient apocalypse that he feels don't make any sense. So here is what he said. Number one, ground penetrating radar. It can't see details like they show. They can't scan through rock and they're notoriously unreliable in that they see natural changes in material um, or even water as a signal. This is pretty interesting, and that's something that I was kind of thinking about myself, especially um, on the, you know, the kind of the mountain in Indonesia, where there are these sort of quite incredible um, digital computerized uh, three-dimensional images of the chambers that must be underneath the, the hill. And I thought to myself, that's an incredibly detailed um, analyzation of the below-ground structures. Um, and it did leave me wondering... Uh, is the technology available to do that? My friend says not. The next point I thought was really interesting. Um, to quote, he keeps saying primitive hunter-gatherers when anthropologists say anything but and demonstrate that hunter-gatherers aren't, aren't primitive at all. Humans have been anatomically modern for about 150,000 years, so every bit is capable of thinking of something as we are. Even now they're looking at how much smarter Neanderthals were than we realised. Yeah, this is something I also thought about, um, which is a, that, how can I put it, there's a sort of um, situational intelligence to all of this in that, you know, the, you would have had your best astronomers, obviously this is the case because so many, you know, the structures mirror the stars, you would have had your best astronomers, your best mathematicians, and okay, so the technology obviously is nothing compared to what we have now, but you would have had your best people working in the situations that would have um, suited them most in this sort of situational um, historical context. And to suggest that they were all primitive, I, I, I think um, sort of kind of misses the point and suggests, I think is kind of supplanting the idea within our conscience that um, someone must have come along to tell them how to do these things. So, yeah, another good point. Third point my friend makes the idea that agriculture started suddenly is total BS, he says. 
Agriculture was invented seven separate times in different places in the world, and it's possible to see the development from basic domestication of crops and animals and how that developed indigenously. The idea that it just began one day is utter BS. He uses the uh, the BS word there twice. Um, now, I don't know enough about that to comment, but I will um, just leave that sit one that one sitting there. Um, and he ends with the comment that more important than the radar or all of these things is how the graphics are presenting a sort of fantasy version of how he sees these sites, these sites based on absolutely nothing. That's what my friend says, the uh, my friend who's an archaeologist. Um, and I don't think they're based on, personally, I don't think they're based on absolutely nothing. But I definitely think that there is the God of the Gaps theory, um, which is, you know, filling in these gaps and spaces with the, the romantic nature of um, the sort of romantic religious, pseudo-spiritual, no, not pseudo, let's just say spiritual nature of the way that Hancock looks at the world. Um, and it's, I guess it's his nature to try and find um, and fill those gaps. I also found the episode with Randall Carlson kind of a bit confusing and it sort of left me on out on the shore, uh, pun intended. Um, their explanation of the, you know, the huge rock formations just didn't seem entirely plausible to me. Uh, from a layperson, it sort of seemed to me, well, where are the tools that were used to build these things? Surely if, if the stone cutting is that exact, and that exacting, um, they should be there should be evidence of the you know of the tools that were used to do this. Now, if we're saying they're from a a civilization that was so advanced um, that got wiped out, who had these tools? Did these tools survive the cataclysmic flood, and then they use them to tell um, all of these different um, peoples all around the world? I, I don't know. This kind of maybe that's a rather dumb point. Um, I'm not sure if it is or it isn't to somebody who's an archaeologist or somebody in the know. They might just shout that down with ease. But it did. I did cross my mind. Where are the where are the tools that constructed these things? Um, and certainly there are times um, throughout the whole series where it feels that there are things that um, ways of viewing these things that Hancock is sort of, let's say, keeping the opposite point of view from us. But that's not that's not. He's under no obligation to put forward every point of view about all of these things. It's, after all, his documentary. He's making it, and that's the point. Anyone, um, you know, in principle and theory in a free democratic society um, that is, you know, ruled by market forces <laughs> can go and say and, uh, you know, opinions and theories as they wish. He's made a documentary series if um, our dear Guardian writer and the people on the other side of it who view these things as so dangerous want to rebut, you know, to create a rebuttal of a documentary, then go ahead. Of course, no one's going to watch it because nobody wants to be told constantly what to do, what to think, how they're wrong, how they're this-ism, how they're that-ism. And that's why, of course, the constant nature of the lecturing tone of most modern Netflix shows, um, people don't want to watch endlessly. They don't want to endlessly be lectured to. They don't want to endlessly be told what terrible people they were or what terrible people their ancestors were. They just don't want to be lectured um, like the worst day they had in fucking in school. Just to keep repeating it, keep repeating it, to be told that ancestors who you have no connection to, um, you know, because I do not believe in the concept of inherited guilt. I do not believe that I should inherit, um, you know, a misdeed that my great, 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 great grandfather did. 
apart from the fact that most of the people who believe those things to be true, um, you know, they don't really want to understand that all European countries have a different history, have a very different view of these things, um, and that Ireland's history is not Finland, is not Ukraine's, is not Belgium. I mean, we can look at Belgian misdeeds in the Congo, for example, and this is a really brutal thing that everyone should be aware of and know of. But, you know, Belgium as a colonial country um, has nothing to do with, for example, Irish history, at least not in my opinion. Um, Of course, being aware of all these historical things makes us better, more well-rounded people. But to say that there's some sort of inherited guilt uh, to me is, is, is as daft as believing in ghosts. But maybe that's the point, because if you're part of a crusade, if you're part of a an orthodox um, movement that wishes to place things in a, a binary choice of good or evil, then this is what you have to do. You're, you're part of a war. You're a soldier in a war. Anyway, anyway. The point is, the documentary series is fascinating and compelling viewing, I feel. Um, it is, as I said, some of it a huge stretch, and it appeals to the romantic, the dreamer in us all. Um, and of course, and I don't think Hancock, um, in his more hubristic moments, if he had some, would deny that at all. He is a dreamer, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the idea that he shouldn't be allowed to make this, it's dangerous to dream and fill in the gaps of our ancient history, as he sees fit, is just... Um, it's just nonsense and offensive on so many levels. And it's offensive mainly on the level that it presumes you are too stupid to be able to pick apart Hancock's theories yourself. And to think so, to think that it's dangerous and should be somehow... Um, you know, what was the quote that I have here? Um, why has this been allowed? To even think that, I think, is, is shameful. It's... it's um, but that's where we are now in society, putting energy and time into creating the rebuttal and the opposite argument as we used to. Um, I think we used to, at least sometimes, and attempt to reach a consensus and have discussions. It takes too much time. Just reach for that red cancel culture card. Demand Hancock is dangerous. Everything is dangerous. We must be kept safe. This podcast is probably dangerous, right? We have to be kept safe from danger by unelected technocrats cheered on by gatekeeping puritanical zealots. And while I make notes on this and, you know, think about ancient apocalypse, I'm sitting in the front of a pub which has a huge window and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a huge street fight. All the homeless people in the street um, and the people staying in the shelter it kicks off at about noon and there is a massive street fight. Lads being punched left, right and centre. Girls kicking other girls. I have to take my seat and move it back from the huge window because it's clear somebody is going to come through the plate glass window any moment. And I stand there looking at this and I think to myself, you know what? Some people have better things to be worrying about than who owns the narrative to our prehistory or who gets to make a documentary on Netflix or other it sort of put things a little bit into comparison, or maybe not. But either way, it's a nice image of that Dublin for you to take off into the night or the day as you so wish. I'm Alan Averill. This is Agitators Anonymous. Agitators Anonymous analyzes ancient apocalypse in episode 130-something, my friends. Planet Satan over and out. I will see you next time. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.